Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 69 and my guest is Tom Cronin. He is a wonderful guy, so genuinely passionate about helping us make a success of meditation in our lives and helping us explore what successful meditation is going to look like for you. He's not dogmatic. It's not black and white. He has teenage kids that he can't seem to get to meditate most days. So he's just like us. And uh, he's really all about those baby steps and taking whatever you can take out of your day to get started into starting to feel calmer, a sense of stillness and develop a practice around meditation successfully. So if you've never felt that you've been successful around meditation, then this is absolutely the show for you. We're also going to do a live meditation for the first time on the show, and I'm really excited about it. It's a 10-minute guided meditation, and I I was very relaxed at the end of this, and I, I hope you guys are too. Now, for the next four weeks, we have a wonderful sponsor, Goodness Me Box, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Unfortunately, it's just for our Australian listeners, but anyone who's in other parts of the world, the good news is, is we've got some fantastic low-tox brands helping you make your switch more accessible, more easily, and with wonderful things like free shipping or a little discount to just help you guys access the products that you want to access while you, you change things over in your life. I think it's just amazing that we're able to have these brands support us in that way and also support the work that we do, helping you get a wonderful show for free every week. Uh, We love putting this together and, uh, you know, the the cost of putting it together is the cost and therefore having the brand support us the way they do is something I'm extremely grateful for and then supporting you guys as well is like just amazing. Everyone wins. So to that end, uh, Goodness Me Box is Australia's leading health food sampling box. I've received a few of these boxes over my time and they are so generous in their six to ten health products and samples to your door each month and it's only $25 a month. So if you're someone who's trying to navigate making the switch to better products, better ingredients, because they actually use a mix of healthy snacks and ingredients. So some you'll be cooking with and some will be great for on the go stuff, you know, for traveling, etc. So every now and then also they uh, have a little beauty product in there. So there's a really great range. It's a wonderful way to get to know products and brands in the low-tox space. They're passionately non-GMO as well, which is great and no weird nasty additives or preservatives in anything that they curate. So get yourself $10 off, which is amazing, off your first box. So that'll only be $15. And of course, you can cancel any time. So if you make the most of the discount and then realize a couple of boxes in, it's not for you, whatever, uh, you can cancel your subscription. So there's no pressure. I mean, people don't make you feel bad. They're just such a gorgeous, gorgeous company, really passionate about helping people sort of get to know all sorts of things to see what they want to um, incorporate into their weekly shop in full sizes. So $10 off and your code is simply LOWTOX and Goodness Me Box links and everything are in the show notes. So enjoy that and without further ado, enjoy today's show with Tom. Hey Tom, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Uh, I am so excited to have you on the show. You've been a part of our awesome Go Low Tox program as one of our Sunday stillness mentors for three years now, if you can believe it. And <laughs> um, and I was just thinking about programming for January and wanting to bring the year in right. And I thought, I know absolutely the man who's going to help us do that. So it's an absolute pleasure having you here. Uh, Now, there are so many places we could start and of course we're going to be talking about meditation and finding stillness in our crazy busy modern lives. Um, But I would love to start by sharing with uh, everybody out there who's listening, as we have people tuning in from all over the beautiful world, um, how, because, you know, obviously you've got a really interesting story, how you go from being an investment banker to a stillness teacher. And I think it's just such a fascinating process that you went through personally. um, And I'd love for you to share that with us. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, It's an honor to be sharing this journey with you because, you know, a lot of your audience may have something that they can resonate with in that story, which is uh, if you've got any state of uh, anxiety or disease or depression, insomnia, panic attacks, then 
um, really that's a cue for change. It's, it's an indication that the current status quo is not serving its purpose and something needs to change. There's a beautiful quote, suffering is proportional to our resistance to change. Mm-hmm. And for me, uh, I'd been living a particular lifestyle um, as I entered into the world of finance. I was actually a money broker trading uh, swaps and bonds in international markets at a very young age of 19. I had a year off uh, in between school and university, did some backpacking and then came back and had some time to fill in before my degree in journalism started up. So I just applied for a bunch of jobs in the paper. Really no interest in going into finance whatsoever. I wanted to write articles for Time magazine and save the world. And um, I ended up landing a job in the late 80s in this um, position as a broker. And it was really fast. It was frenetic. It was exciting. It was, if anyone's seen the movie Wolf of Wall Street, well, Jordan Belfort, the lead character in that film, he started his career in 1987. He was 22 and I was 19. And that was the year I started my career. And it was the same year we had Wall Street, the movie, with Bud Fox and Gordon Gecko. The oh, same yeah, year yeah. Um, Bonfire of the Vanities, Sherman McCoy, who was the Bond trader, master of the universe. And uh, it was a really sort of big money time. You know, it was fast and furious and there was lots of drugs and drinking. And literally the movie Wolf of Wall Street was so accurately portrayed for that time. It was quite phenomenal. And, you know, I just got swept along in the glamour of all that. And, you know, before long, you know, I was trading frenetically on the trading floor and, you know, which was just really fight flight the entire day because mm. the slightest slip up and, you you know, costing millions of dollars. And then by nighttime, our job was to, you know, wine and dine bankers and traders from all over the world and make sure that we were winning their business. So we'd take them out to the expensive wine bars and nightclubs and restaurants and, into the wee hours of the morning and there's a lot of things that went on there that you wouldn't be talking about here on a podcast (laughs) and you know it was pretty crazy and you know it's great to see the revolution that's happening in today's world with this you know hashtag me too and and women standing up because you know it was pretty crazy times back then and it's pretty horrendous really what was going on but good to see things are changing which is great but you know what it ended up doing was leading me to having these extreme stress responses in my body to the lifestyle and it was you know a lot of anxiety and depression and eventually ignoring those symptoms and just keep doing the same thing over and over again eventually my body just packed in and I had a I guess you'd call it a full-blown nervous breakdown where I couldn't go to work I was just a a rambling crying mess and uh, was sent to psychiatrists and put on pharmaceutical drugs, developed agoraphobia, couldn't leave the house. And um, it was at that point in time that sitting at home without the internet, back in 1996, you watch a lot of TV and I was watching a show on a property developer called Bruno Grollo. Mm. And a small section of that show, he was meditating just sitting in his suit in a chair meditating. It was no lotus and he wasn't wearing weird clothes and he hadn't shaved his head. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I could do that. That's It just was like this light went on inside me in my deep, dark depression that that was something that I really wanted to do. And so I picked up the Yellow Pages phone book. There was no Google back then. And so just looked up M for meditation. I distinctly remember opening the page and going to M for meditation and finding meditation and looking through the number of businesses in the yellow pages that had meditation in there. And I, I rang them all up and went and visited those places that offered meditation. And I tried all these different techniques. And that was the start of my journey into the world of meditation. Amazing. Amazing. And what I love you just shared, and I didn't know this, was that you had originally wanted to write articles for Time magazine and change the world. So sharing something personal about myself and how what we're supposed to be doing we always come back to eventually, no matter how tumultuous the journey in between the figuring out of everything and ego getting in the way, is that I was one of those teenagers who had, uh, I had created a big mural for my room that said prejudice is ignorance. Martin Luther Hmm. King was my hero. I had my first boyfriend and I used to talk about our Grammy award-winning speeches. We were both um, in bands and music and stuff at school and and how we were going to save the world and, you know, we loved Bono and Geldof and all that kind of stuff. And and then I ended up, you know, in the corporate rat race for many years before, you know, it literally coming back to find me and saying, no, no, you're here to do something that's going to, you know, make, make a positive 
impact. And it's funny, isn't it? You just, it finds you. You can't, you can't escape what you're meant to be. And if you start to listen, it'll start to speak to you more loudly. I really believe that. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a deep conditioning, not just in our own selves, but in, in society as well to follow a particular path. And mm. I think what we're seeing really excitedly is, uh, and hopefully more of this is the, the youth of the world not having to go on that far distant way off orbit sort of path into doing all these things that they believe they should be doing rather than what they, they're naturally meant to be doing. And for me, you know, I just was simply a mile off orbit. And the weird thing was I always felt like a bit of a fish out of water and I always was a bit of an oddball in finance. But there was just a glamour attraction to the money and the lifestyle and, um, and you know, that just led to the universe somehow finding ways usually through pain and suffering to guide me back into line. You <laughs> Damn know. it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so with, inconvenient. With you know, with gratitude, thank you, universe, for making it so brutally painful that I eventually got the message. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many of us have been there, Tom. It's all good. I think I yeah. think we just we, – you know, the beauty of being in – I'm in my well in my forties now, so you know it just starts to feel. Oh, okay, right. I've got to learn something here, and you, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now meditation. So, what do you think? What did you think in those early days of starting to explore it for yourself? What did you notice being the greatest gains? Yeah, I, I see the gains happen incrementally through phases uh-huh. and stages. So, the the first stage of transformation for most people is on a physiological level. So if you think of the world that we exist in, the three dimensions that we exist within is physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Mm-hmm. Just as water has the form of ice, it has the form of water, it has the form of steam, and it has the form of vapor. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're all water, but just in, in various expressions of itself. Yeah. And we have ourselves in four different dimensions that we express ourselves. So the first one and the most gross and dense form is is physical so we see that the first starting point you know i started sleeping better i um and just started physiologically feeling better um and then um on the next dense level is emotional my emotions started to change which is the feeling level your biochemistry and so things like um and that was part of the sleeping better and the anxiety going away and the depression lifting was because my biochemistry started changing simply from fight flight the sympathetic nervous system state into rest and digest the parasympathetic nervous system. And it's, it's simple science really that when you're in a chronic state of fight flight, which I was in for long periods of time, you, your body's just not going to produce oxytocin, serotonin, melatonin. It just simply won't do that yeah. as a defense mechanism to protect yourself from a marauding tribe. Yeah. Um, and what it will produce is huge amounts of cortisol, norepinephrine and adrenaline. So you can't simultaneously be in fight flight protecting yourself from a dangerous situation and feel happy and loving and joyful and creative and sleep well because it's just not conducive to your own survival but when that started to reverse with meditation um it was phenomenal you know i just started feeling lighter my whole biochemistry started to change and i was back at work quite quickly and amazingly a lot of those symptoms simply went away very quickly and then obviously, you know, you, you're feeling better and you're, you're starting to sleep better and you, you, you're drawn to um, studying more of this content and why this is all happening. So mentally you start to change. You know, you're reading Power of Now and you're reading Bhagavad Gita and you're going to lectures with your teacher. So mentally you start upgrading the thought forms in your neuroplasticity and then over time then you start to access um, the very, very subtle planes of reality and that's your spiritual awakening. Amazing. Amazing. And so, so often we're told that um, there are no other ways. And if you have anxiety and depression, you, you simply just have to be on those drugs. And of course, I'm not saying that anyone should be coming off medication in listening to the show that we're having today. Um, but to simply explore alongside that, um, just as you did, Tom, to just see if different things like meditation, like finding some stillness in your day, like making more time for joyful people in your life, all those things, you know, they're so valid. Of course they make sense to do to make us um, feel more aligned with ourselves and, and the world. It's, um, it's, it's sad for me that we've strayed so far that we think that that can't be how simple the answer is. Yeah, we've really got to get to the root cause. And, um, you know, when we have uh, a symptom, that's shown up in our physiology 
or our nervous system and uh, that symptom is one of disease, discomfort, then it's it's the fifth and final stage of the imbalance. And what Western medicine's doing is treating that fifth stage rather than getting to the first stage of the imbalance. And by all means, if someone's on medication right now, don't come off the medication, but look at what is the most holistic approach you can do um, you can embrace to to bring that balance back into your life because if you're remaining in fight flight if you're chronically stressed have a busy mind and you're running around like a you know crazy person um, getting from place to place and not having any time out then that tablet will only sustain itself for so long because you simply are going to maintain a state of fight flight and that's just going to continue to impair your ability to feel good mm. um so much good stuff. So is like I'm I'm just thinking as the devil's advocate, people out there busy busy, you know, and I can hear them saying, I don't have time for this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um is like is there a baby step? Can we just can we start to just feel an inkling of goodness just by trying to find some little pockets of slow and stillness in our day and get a taste for it and and sort of dip your toe in the water? Yeah, look, it's 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 a really simple formula the way I look at it anyway, it's a stress versus rest ratio. And think of some scales in front of you. Nice. And the level of stress um, will be substantially greater for most people in our current world than the level of rest. And uh, there's a beautiful, I teach this on my weekend workshop, there's a a wonderful um, piece of research done on um, transcendental meditation Back in the late 80s or early early um, 90s, I think at um, I think it was Stanford University Medical School on the um, units of stress that a person would take on on their daily life and how sleep will remove only excess amount of that. So if we average person takes about 14 units of stress coming in in their life on a daily basis, and then when we lie down horizontally for about seven or eight hours a night, we remove about 10 units of stress. We get this sort of deficit or build up of four units a day. But for most people now, that's a lot more. This was in the 80s. So these days, it's probably more like, you know, 20 units of stress going in their life and about seven or eight going out through sleep. So we've got this massive build up of stress on a daily basis. And, you know, if we take a supplement um, of um, rest to our sleep, which should be a meditation period, which mm-hmm. is adding more rest into that, more de excitation adding that onto the sleep, then um, we're going to start to favor more of the rest ratio. And what I simply find is that, you know, three minutes here, 30 seconds there, they're going to be helpful definitely. But when we can really chunk down a really deep meditation, which is the one I practice and teach, um, 20 minutes of that deep meditation really has a profound um, supplementary effect to the rest versus stress ratio. And we start to get more in balance and start to feel more lively and more um, vital. And you can get little grabs in your day. By all means, you know, I think just pausing it, um, you know, that doesn't mean getting on Instagram and <laughs> scrolling through a news feed on Facebook. <laughs> well, just, we see that as being a break, but actually it's filling our brain with more. Yeah, it's mm. highly stimulating. It's, yeah. it's actually very, very stimulating to be scrolling through feeds. And if you start to be mindful of just watching how much your body reacts Mm. On a, you know, the charge that you get, um, the elevation through those news feeds is quite ph- phenomenal. But you can definitely just take some time out. We'll do a little bit of meditation later on, which people can do, you know, on the bus, on the train, sitting in a park. It's just about just letting our mind and body and nervous system have time to recoup and de de excite, really. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love that idea of a sliding scale. I often use it when I'm teaching workshops around helping people move um, for, towards um, whole fresh food more and just thinking about products at the end of mm. one scale and produce at the end of the other scale and it's just a scale that you're trying to tip back into balance where you're heavier on the produce and lighter on the products. Yeah, I love it. That's yeah. great. Mm. And I think if little things like that, it's just those distillations that help take really – um, themes that might feel really complex for people into the simplest of possible terms so you can go, okay, that's actually something I can work with. Yeah, it is. And most stuff is really simple when you break it down. It's, totally, you know, yeah. Stress, all that sort of stuff. It's really quite simple formulas when you look at it, why mm. that's all happening. There are some complexities in it, but overall a lot of it's fairly simple when we look at it. And 
So to the point of meditation, let's actually start talking about that a bit more deeply. Um, A lot of people just dismiss it and say, no, I've tried it. It doesn't work for me. But I often feel like, and I know it's been the same for me, um, that um, people don't realize the breadth of meditations that are available, the styles, the forms, the um, different types of practices, um, while someone might not be able to sit and repeat a mantra um, to themselves for 20 minutes and just find that really um, um, aggravating. Other people, they might find their stillness in guided nature meditations. And then, you know, I found a brilliant meditation when I was at the Billabong retreat last year, um, counting back from 50 with a breath in and a breath out with each number as you count back, so breathing really slowly. And, um, you know, just there's so many different ways that we can bring about that balance Um, and I'd love to hear you know when we think about your retreats and your events um, who you know you might get these people who come skeptically dragged along by a friend or husband or wife uh, sister brother and um, thinking oh this isn't going to work I can't believe they've brought me here and convinced me to do this is there a form of meditation that can fit each of us depending on its style and format do you think is there something for everyone uh, there's absolutely something for everyone because there's, you know, I, I saw on an app yesterday that had 10,000 meditations and I'm like, oh my God, that's like <laughs> anal- analyst paralysis, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like going to a Chinese restaurant and seeing 60 different yeah. choices. I only want three. Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely there's a meditation out there for everyone. And, uh, you know, the beauty of that is that um, we're always going to be able to find something that will work for us. And it's a matter of looking around and for me you know I when I did my research you know I found Tibetan bowls and chakra clearing and dream catchers and all sorts of things but you know I was really looking for something that was going to get me deep um, efficiently and and quickly and be pleasurable a pleasurable experience rather than one hour of pulling my hair out and trying to focus on a candle and so (laughs) not that there's anything wrong with that it's just that it wasn't what I was looking for you know so I think people really ideally I'd recommend to people just just look around and try different techniques you know for me I've chosen one core meditation that is the I guess the the foundation for what I've used for 22 years and the one that I chose to teach because I saw how effective it was not just for me but for my students but that said you know it's definitely not for everyone and some people want different styles of meditation for different reasons and I even myself you know I use um you know, some visualization meditation techniques on top of my deep transcending meditation. And so there's a reason for the diversification of meditation because we're all looking for different things at different times in our life. So it's about looking around for the ones that you really resonate with. Like, you know, you found that one at Billabong, which was um, one I'd never even heard of. You know, that's a whole new meditation that I didn't even know existed and, and, and it works for you. So that's relevant and and that's that's great to embrace. Yeah, and I think it's about um, feeling feeling like oh my my you know, like people just decide that we our meditation couldn't possibly be as good as that one's meditation. It's probably because they're better at meditation that they're doing that one, and I'm only doing this one. You know, there's so much comparison out there, and I think if you find something that's working really well for you. Um, and it resonates with you, then it is right for you, and it is right. Full stop. Because you're proving that it works every time you do it. Yeah, and, you know, the thing with meditation, what's important, I believe, is having support and guidance uh, because meditation isn't about the practice, it's about the result. And that really um, can be quite significant. You know, the changes that you can experience as a result of your meditation can be quite confusing and um, almost a little bit confronting at times. And so for me, part of our tradition has always been giving the students support and making yourself available for the ongoing tuition, not just um, with the, um, I guess, the the responses or the effect that your meditation is going to have in your life, but also to help refine their meditation. You know, on the retreat we just had in Byron Bay recently, um, one of the students was struggling a little bit with their meditation. And so we went through a refinement practice to help them refine their technique. And it made a significantly large difference um in their result as as a meditator you know the effect that the meditation was having and um it really made a huge difference even though it was a very minor tweaking of the way they were meditating what was the tweak 
Um, it was the way he was saying the mantra. He was saying the mantra as it was a word, when actual fact the mantras are sounds, like a vibration. And so I got them to, rather than pronounce it like a syllable, to feel it like it's a vibration. Oh, wow. And it was a very subtle shift, but it had a huge effect because he wasn't able to transcend when he's continually repeating a word and attached to the word. And transcendence is about foregoing the actual word, the sound, the mantra. So um, when he actually brought it in as a softer vibration, allowed the brain to align to that delta brainwave frequency and eventually transcend the mantra altogether. Amazing. Um, wow. Cool. Uh, now, I'm not too sure how I segue straight to the question I want to ask you next, but I, I want to ask it. I'll find a way. Like, Let's just do it, hey? Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something that I notice as a parent of an eight-year-old, and um, I, you've got kids in their teens, is that right? Fifteen. Yeah, two yeah. fifteen-year-olds. So, um, I, I find the kids of today seem, because they're technology natives and it's been with them since almost since birth, um, I find they have this whole extra challenge, you know, and it's it's not even whether you choose to or choose not to have technology um, available to kids before school or after school, but it's it's being used at school and kids are talking about what type of iPhone each other has and, you know, all this stuff and 11-year-olds with Instagram accounts and I'm just thinking, thank gosh I didn't grow up with that added layer to my socialisation or information digesting and the sheer volume of information that we digest every day with whether we know it or not. Um, and kids seem to find it quite tricky to um, still themselves and to unwind. And I feel like uh, technology has played a huge part in that challenge. Um, you do some work with teens uh, and I'm curious to know um, for teens and kids who are even younger how we can as parents start to build a meditation practice, a stillness practice into life as a beautiful thing, not as a have to, oh, I roll, mum's making me do something hippie, um, you know. How, how have you done that as a parent and helped your children realise um, how much of a gift it is? Yeah, well, being totally transparent, it's uh, it's not easy. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, I've got twins, a boy and a girl, and my daughter meditates with us. Um, my son really doesn't have any interest in it whatsoever. Um, mm. He's got Snapchat. Why would you want to meditate, Dad, when I've got <laughs> Snapchat? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm so glad you're human, Tom. And I thank you for being so transparent because I think a lot of people, oh, well, it's easy for them because they've got, you know, a meditation teacher in their family, so they must all yeah, be nah, so zen. Nah. But no, we we've still all got face the same challenges. The same challenges just yeah. as any other parent that has a 15 year old in the house yeah, yeah. <laughs> um look you know the thing with um okay if you look at what ex what meditation is it's the exploration on the inward stroke mm -hmm. we, we're going in we're looking into the inner world the quiet world and we're, we're withdrawing from the world of sense the world of glamour the world of pleasure and for a teenager why would you want to do that they haven't finished that exploration in the world of senses the world of glamour the world of pleasure so um, it's not something that have exhausted yet. You know, by the time we get to 28, 30, 35, we're like, oh, my God, I'm done with it. You know, mm. <laughs> give me meditation because I can't find happiness anywhere in that world out there, <laughs> you know. Um, I tried the coke. I tried the drinking. I tried making tons of money. I tried the sex and, you know what, I'm still miserable. Yeah. So for us, you know, there's a, a, a relinquishment of, the, um, of that world for a period of time to start to go within out of necessity. But for children, teenagers particularly, they're really just coming alive with the excitement of what's available to them. And it just doesn't appeal to them, you know. Really, very few teenagers, um, I mean, I do teenage programs. I've got a teenage online program. I do a lot of um, workshops with teenagers, but very few of them sustain their practice. I'm just going to be really frank with it. It's, mm -hmm. um, it's The way we do it is the form, first and foremost is live and breathe it. Yeah. You know, let them yeah. see you doing it. You know, let them see that that's part of your day and that that's normal to sit in a chair, close your eyes, um, you know, their two parents meditating morning and evening, you know, let them see that that's part of your lifestyle. And then that will condition them into thinking that that's just normal um, as opposed to, hey, you guys should go and meditate, but just live and breathe it and just do it. And if you can inspire them, then hopefully they'll join you. And, you know, quite often our whole family will just sit 
on the chair. I'm going to do a meditation soon, and we do this guided meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, they don't want me to guide them. They just listen to my recording of the guide. It's, <laughs> it's really strange. <laughs> but they'll sit there listening to an MP3 of me talking through meditation. Um, Maybe it feels yeah, less like dad's trying to tell them what to do. I think so, yeah, yeah. I think so. That's what it is. But, yeah, we do that quite often. But I think it really starts with the parents and if we're in a stressed, angry, cranky, miserable state, then they're going to think that that's normal, you know. They really observe through osmosis and um, if we can at least first and foremost embrace that in our day and then and then hopefully we can inspire them to join us in this experience and be part of something together. Other than that, uh, it's it's challenging, you know. There's not many teenagers. There's some, admittedly, um, some wonderful teenagers that are really – open to this new status quo of bringing meditation into their lives, but it's pretty rare. Mm, Interesting. Um, And in terms of one of the biggest challenges that people seem to find where they think they're failing at meditation and therefore give up is this idea that they can't quiet their mind and they can't still themselves and they can't shut themselves up in the quiet. Um, Now, we don't actually have to do that, do we, when we meditate? Yeah, look, it's almost going to be impossible to have a still mind in meditation, mm. um, almost impossible. Even as an advanced meditator, um, you know, your mind uh, will, and there's a reason for that, which I'll explain in a minute. Yes, please. But this whole notion that meditation is about achieving stillness, it's, it's, it's going to lead you to such friction and stress. You know, you're going to get so stressed in your meditation. Yeah, exactly. Trying to get an experience that's just almost impossible to achieve. Yeah. And the reason we have this, I guess, false idea about what we should experience in meditation is because we've been i guess fed some information from you know ancient buddhist monks that would sit in monasteries for hours upon hours from the age of seven either reading spiritual texts or meditating doing a bit of gardening and working in the kitchen Um, by the time these guys are 30 40 you know sitting still is so accessible because they don't have stresses in their body they don't have a very deeply programmed mind to seek charm in the thinking process they haven't been feeding their mind with this sweet candy of facebook feeds and (laughs) emails and meetings you know so for them to sustain samadhi that still mind state is very achievable and very accessible by the time they're you know in their 20s 30s and 40s because they've been doing it for so long but you know to start off the bat at 35 and start meditating with an app and wondering why the hell you haven't got a still mind is just because your expectation is way far from where it should be Right. So um, um, even as an advanced meditator, sometimes you think, oh, sugar, I haven't, you know, chatted to that teacher yet about last month's science mm-hmm. exam that my, my little girl had and was upset about. So you still have those thoughts. Well, we've got to look at what actually happens on a mechanical basis in meditation. If we actually achieve some form of stillness in the mind, mm-hmm. either through a form of concentration where we concentrate firmly enough to get the mind to focus on something where the mind and body has de-excited or we use a mantra that leads the mind into what's called pure consciousness where the mind is now satisfied it's content because it's found the ultimate source of bliss so that's the meditation technique i do that takes the mind into transcendence so the mind becomes still because it is no longer seeking charm the mind is still because it's found the ultimate source of charm it's found pure bliss in the pure conscious state and so the mind now is still but what happens now with a still mind is we actually have a still body mm. because if there's no more thoughts, there's no more corresponding reactions in the nervous system, there's no more shifts in the um, biochemical makeup, there's no longer movement of the physiology and it's been scientifically proven that your body, when the mind is still and awake in transcendence, it's it's a profoundly deep state of physiological rest. Metabolically, our body drops quite significantly into a very deep state of physiological rest, much deeper than sleep. Now, when the body achieves this level of deep rest, it starts to unlock stresses. And this unlocking of stresses, this reorganization of this entire physiology starts to occur. So when the mind becomes still, when it's satiated, when it's content, the physiology drops into a, such a deep state of rest and it's like when we're falling asleep at night, the, um, that twitch, that spasm we get is our mind becoming still, our body being a printout of the mind. It drops into a profoundly deep state of rest and that's where this reorganization starts to occur. The body's got 
an amazing capability to reorganize itself and restore balance given the appropriate environment, which is profoundly deep states of rest. So when we achieve that in meditation, um, and we get incredibly deep states of rest in meditation, what happens is we start to um, get, get this reorganization occurring in our body. We get all sorts of physiological reactions happening. It's quite phenomenal how much change is happening in the body in these deep states. And what happens is that this creates some level of stimulation, whether it's twitches or spasms or um, movement or coughing and all sorts of things are going to start happening in the body. Um, some of them are very subtle and some of them are quite physiologically, you know, um, you know, you could be quite aware of them physiologically. And this then will stimulate the brain and the mind will now start to get active and move into the thinking state again. So kind of like getting bumped out of meditation because of stress releasing. Mm. And why Buddhist monks stay in samadhi is because they don't have the stress in their body. Their body's not riddled with, you know, tons and tons of stress, whereas our bodies, when we start meditating, um, have got a lot of stress stored in them and that stress has to be uh, unlocked. So it's kind of it's, it's a strange paradox, meditation, because the goal for most people would be to get the mind to be still. But if the mind is still, then you're going to start unlocking stresses. It's just a given. Mm. And if you're going to unlock stresses, then you're going to get bumped out of meditation, which is going to prevent you from staying still. And, um, and that's fine. You just acknowledge that's great. We've been removing some stress and we come back to our meditation and dip back into the still state again. And we continue this sort of ebb and flow of reaching deeper states and getting bumped out of deep states and reaching deeper states and getting bumped out of deeper states. And that just keeps happening through your meditation. And it's part of the process. It's part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So speaking of process, do you think we should have a little meditation? Yeah, let's do it. I'm looking forward to that. Mm, okay. Uh, what do we need to do? <laughs> well, yeah. So everyone get in lotus position. No, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I can just picture the people who are on the train commute or, yeah, you know, yeah, going, yeah, thanks, great. No, I won't be doing that. Well, it's good you mentioned that because, you know, it doesn't matter where you are, you know, as long as you can sit comfortably. And for me, I just sit in the most comfortable chair possible. Think of, you know, a chair that um, is um, like a lounge chair, you know, as long as you've got a back supporting you. For me, you don't have to be in lotus on the floor. You don't have to have mudras. You don't have to you know, be in any uncomfortable position. As long as you're comfortable sitting in a chair and you're safe, then you're going to be good to go. Um, I like sitting in a parked car. It's really nice. Somewhere where you're enclosed, less wind, less noise, less light um, is always more conducive, but it shouldn't impede your ability to be able to meditate anywhere really as long as we're, we're comfortable. Awesome. So just sitting upright in a chair and closing the eyes. And we'll just take three deep breaths in just to really settle the nervous system down. So taking a deep breath in, filling the air down to the lower abdomen, feeling your tummy sort of pushing out as you breathe into the lungs. And then releasing. Breathing in again. And one more. Now we just settle our breath down into its natural ebb and flow. And this breath, it's ebbing and flowing just naturally in and out every single moment of the day. It's unforced. It's a simple, gentle breath moving in and out of your body. And you'll notice this breath as it moves in and out of your body. It's going to pass through the nostrils. And as that breath is passing through the nostrils, I want you to become aware of a very slight cooling effect around the rim of the nostril as that air brushes the moisture of the skin and slightly cools it. Keep your awareness on the slight cooling effect 
of that air brushing the moisture on the skin. Now the mind's going to drift and wander away at times. We'll get slightly bored of this experience. And each time it moves away, we very effortlessly bring it back to observing the cool skin around the rim of the nostril. The breath is a very gentle, effortless breath. It's unforced. It's just a simple ebb and flow in and out of your body. Keeping the awareness on the nostrils. We let go of everything else in our world. Place the mind's awareness on the one single thing the cool skin around the rim of the nostril. There's nowhere to go, nothing to do. Surrendering everything to just be here now. The air moves in, the air moves out, a gentle breath flowing through the nostrils. As the mind drifts and wanders away, just bring it back to that single point.
just feeling the softness of the breath just very effortlessly moves in and out of the body cooling the skin around the rim of the nostrils Feeling the softness in the body, calmness in the mind, staying with that breath moving through the nostrils, keeping the awareness on the cooling skin. Now letting go of the awareness on the nostrils, letting the mind just drift now. Let go wherever it wants to go. Observing the mind, the body, the space that you're in. And then when you're ready, slowly opening the eyes and coming back to the world of the senses. And welcome back. Welcome back. Thanks. That was so lovely. <laughs> what a treat. I've never felt so relaxed interviewing somebody <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was so good. Um, thanks, Tom. That was really Pleasure. beautiful and such such a great example of how with just 10 minutes we can achieve a, a state of, of calm in an otherwise busy day. Um, and you were saying before that you recommend working up towards around the 20-minute mark. Is that? Yeah, depending on the meditation, you know, like um, and depending on your time and what you feel compelled to do for people doing um, the mantra-based transcendental meditation or Vedic meditation or primordial sound technique, they're all the same sort of techniques. Ideally, we'd recommend uh, minimum sort of 20 minutes mm. uh, for, for that session just to get the, the depth in there. There's deep stillness. But for something like that guided meditation just then, um, where you're just going to focus on your breath, you know, you could do five minutes of that or you could do an hour of that, really. It depends on your lifestyle and what you're looking to achieve. Um, but, yeah, even just putting aside five minutes of that's going to definitely have some benefits. But obviously the longer you do these things, the more effect it's going to have to some degree. Um, there's a there's a sort of fine line between too much and not enough, you know, because there's a saying, chop wood, meditate, chop wood. We, we want to have activity as well because what we're looking to do is stabilise the stillness and the calm that we achieve in meditation in our active state so mm. we're not really looking for five minutes or 20 minutes of deep calm in our life what we're looking for is a deep calm life and <laughs> what, that we're is looking gold. To, what we're looking to do with our meditation is assimilate that experience into the world of activity love it and tom where can we find you and what are you up to oh so much um 
I'm doing retreats. We've got a one-day urban retreat in Sydney in January, January the 7th. We've got a Melbourne one on the 11th of March. Then we've got Bali in July and then I think Byron Bay is in November. Um, I do one-on-one coaching, weekend workshops. We've got online meditation programs and audios and MP3s. So you can find it all at stillnessprojects.com. We're just getting a revamp of that website. It's a bit tired and old but we're just getting that revamped and tomcronin.com as well okay awesome thank you so much for your time today and and taking us to a happy place and reminding us <laughs> that there's no fail or pass there Absolutely. is there is only do and do as much as you you can because i think it i mean really for me it's it becomes something you seek out more and more. Um, so just start wherever you're at is the overarching message that i've taken sure. from today yeah, it's been great to be here. Thanks for um, inviting me and um, wonderful to be able to share this with your wonderful audience and um, hope they find, you know, more peace and calm in their lives. Awesome. And they, they live a deep, calm life. Yeah, deep, calm. <laughs> I'm loving it. It's so good. Thanks, Tom. Bye. All right. Cheers. Well, that's another show done. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Always so much inspiration from our beautiful guests. And I just want to take a minute to say thank you, Uh, for taking the time to leave a review for our show because it helps us stay visible and helps other people who maybe haven't discovered it yet go, ooh, that looks like it might be worth a look. So if the show has provided value to you, there's nothing you can do to thank me more than to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you... um, you access the show from. So what you do is you just search generally in the podcast app. Don't be in the list of shows because you won't be able to leave a review there. So once you've searched generally, you'll see the tile come up and you click on that tile and then a little set of tabs will come up and the middle one is called review. And from there, you can click it, star rate it and leave a review. And I appreciate that so much. Now, if you want to connect with the rest of the Lotox Life community, we're over on Instagram at Lotox Life or on the main website uh, where there are a whole bunch of recipes, some incredible e-learning opportunities depending on what your Lotox goals are. And that is www.lotoxlife.com. And of course, if you want to check out the podcast show notes, you just do forward slash podcast and everything's there so i look forward to continuing our chats in between shows online in the community